This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillah wa alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillahi wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa man wa all praise is due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Blessings and salutations upon Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, his entire household, all his companions. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless them all and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless every single one of us. My brothers and sisters, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive our sins. Again, another beautiful eve from amongst these eves of the month of Ramadan, a gift for us from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We say, Allahumma innaka afuun. Oh Allah, you are most forgiving, you love to forgive, so forgive us. Ameen. My brothers and sisters, in Tafsir al-Tabari, according to the narration of Qatadah, he says the mushrikeen at the time of the Prophet wasallam, some of them from amongst those in Mecca, the disbelievers, they used to think that they were more deserving than Muhammad wasallam for the Quran to have come to and for the deen to have come to. And they used to say, we are higher than all those who have accepted the faith. We are above all those who have accepted this religion. If there was any goodness in it, we would have been the ones who would have got it first. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed verse number 11 of Surah Al-Ahqaf, clarifying this and making it clear that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who decides, He is the one who chooses. And these people, because they are not following what Muhammad sallallahu has come with, that is why they are trying to find fault in it. If they were guided to it, they would realize that it in fact is the truth. Allah says, وَقَالَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا لَوْ كَانَ خَيْرًا مَا سَبَقُونَا إِلَيْهِ وَإِذْ لَمْ يَهْتَدُوا بِهِ فَسَيَقُولُونَ هَذَا They say that هَذَا إِفْكٌ قَدِيمٌ According to one narration, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, in fact according to verse number 11 of Surah Al-Ahqaf, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, the disbelievers told the believers that if this was in fact good, they would have not, you would have not, preceded us in receiving it. We would have been first. We are always more deserving. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, because they are not guided to it, they always say, these are just folk tales of the past. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us lesson. The lesson I learned from this is quite clear. That when Allah has bestowed a favor upon someone besides me, I need to acknowledge that it's a favor of Allah for them. I don't need to become jealous. I don't need to become envious. I don't need to deny that that is actually a favor of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. People achieve more than I do. And the same applies to every one of us. Some people achieve more than us. So in return, we don't need to say this person knows nothing. Perhaps they do know a thing or two. Perhaps Allah did favor them above you and I. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us learn a lesson from this beautiful verse. Verse number 15 of Surah Al-Ahqaf. It is reported by Al-Wahidi, narration of Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu. He says, Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anhu was so grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for many reasons. And obviously it's quite clear to us why he would be grateful. Being chosen by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be in the company of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, 
from a very young age, from the teenage years, they were already friends. It's reported Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anhu was 18 years old, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam 20 years old, and they were very, very good friends. And they grew up together. Imagine when Nubuwa and prophethood came, Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anhu did not doubt Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the least, because he knew this man is my friend. I've known him to be the most honest, the best of everyone I've ever known. He is indeed the messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So obviously he was chosen to be from among those whom we declare today as the best to tread this earth after the prophets of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Who was that? Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anhu. So he used to be very thankful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because it's a virtue that Allah chooses for some above others. So it is reported that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed verse number 15 of Surah Al-Ahqaf describing the dua made by Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anhu. And this is according to one of the narrations, like I said, Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu, a narration mentioned by Al-Wahidi in his book known as Reasons of Revelation or Asbab al-Nuzul. Similarly, what we do know, a similar dua has been declared in the Quran being made by the Prophet Sulaiman alayhi salatu wasalam. And the reason I mention it this evening, my brothers and sisters, we will listen to it very carefully. We will try and learn it and we will try and adopt it and we will also make the same dua, the same supplication because of the power that it has in it. And Allah speaks of the righteous from amongst the believers. Allah speaks of the righteous from amongst the believers. And He says, verse number 15, Surah Al-Ahqaf, when he gets to the peak of his age or to maturity, to the age of 40, then he says, he says the following, which means a person, when he arrives at the peak of his age, he begins to look back and he starts thanking Allah for all the blessings Allah has bestowed upon him or her. When you get a little bit older, you start looking, you see your children, you see your family, you see what Allah's given you, you see the wealth you may have, you see the goodness you have, you see whatever you have. You compare yourself to those who have less than you. It is something important to do, my brothers and sisters. When it comes to material items, we are taught, Unzuru ila man huwa dunakum. Look at those who have less than you. It will be definitely of assistance to you to be able to be thankful. When you have, say for example, a thousand rands, and you look at those who have a million, you will think you have nothing. But when you look at those who only have 10 rands, or who don't even have that amount of money, you will thank Allah for the little bit that you do have. And this is the gift of Allah. Never look at those who have more than you, because you will never be filled. No matter what you have on earth, there will always be someone who has more than you. Subhanallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us contentment and happiness. That's what it's all about. When you die, you're not going to take all of that with you. You will take your deeds with you. You won't take your Rolls Royce and so on. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from vehicles that are overrated. I mean. <laughs> My brothers and sisters, something extremely important that we need to realize. This dua, he says, Oh Allah, grant me the ability. Oh Allah, grant me the ability to thank you. To thank you for the gifts that you have bestowed upon me. Subhanallah. He's not saying, Oh Allah, thank you for the gifts. He's saying, Oh Allah, give me the ability to be thankful. Because being thankful is not just a statement from your mouth. It is a dedication of a lifetime. 
When you say, oh Allah, I thank you. I'm never going to miss a salah again. I'm going to please you. Going to dress appropriately. Going to abandon sin. Going to fulfill all your commands and abstain from prohibitions. That is called gratitude and thankfulness. So he says, oh Allah, grant me the ability to be truly thankful to you for what you have bestowed upon me. And not just me, but even my parents. Subhanallah. And my parents as well. Whatever you've given them, help me. Give me the ability to be thankful to you for what you've given me and for what you've given to my parents. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us. And then listen to what he says. And grant me the ability to do good deeds that will please you. Make it easy for me. Do you know there is a dua of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam uh, where he says, Oh Allah, make it easy for us to engage in that which will please you. Make it difficult for us to sin. Oh Allah, make it hated to us to sin and make it beautified within our hearts to love you, that which will please you, that which is full of belief. Allahumma habbib ilayna al-iman wa zayinhu fi qulubina. Oh Allah, make iman and belief loved to us, beautify it in our hearts. Wa karrih ilayna al-kufra wal-fusuqa wal-isyan. And O oh Allah, make detested for us that which is disbelief, that which is ingratitude, and that which is sinful. That which is sinful, that which is outside the obedience of Allah, make it difficult for us. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us to achieve His mercy and His goodness. So here He is saying, O oh Allah, grant me the ability to do good deeds and a'mala salihan tardah. Then listen to what He says. Now, He's thanked Allah or he's asking Allah to help him to be thankful for what he has, to be thankful for what his parents have been bestowed with and to grant him the ability to do good deeds. Now he goes to his children. He says, وَأَصْلِحْ لِي فِي Oh Allah, this progeny of mine, this offspring, make them good for me. Make them pious for me, Ya Allah. Make them pious. When I die, they will make dua for me. They will pray for me. The good that they do will come also as a point of benefit for me because if I was a parent and I steered them in the right direction, perhaps Allah will grant me a reward for that effort I made. So this was a dua. Brothers and sisters, make dua for yourselves. For your parents, be they alive or late. For the ability to do good deeds. For your children, make dua. Ask Allah, supplicate, call out to Him and say, Oh Allah, make them pure, make them good, make them please you. Help them to abstain from sin. You and I know the pressures of society and community, the environment and the pressure of environment and society has become quite extreme. It's important for us together with the effort to ask Allah to help us so that we can abstain and our children can abstain from the displeasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then he says, Oh Allah, I return to you. Tawbah, tawbah meaning after repentance you return to Allah. Istighfar is to seek forgiveness. And tawbah is to return to Allah and quit your bad ways. And then he says, and oh Allah, I am from among those who surrenders. Obviously, we all want to try our best to surrender. You call yourself a Muslim and so do I. But we forget what it means to be Muslim. Muslim actually means one who has surrendered to the decree of Allah, who has surrendered to the command of Allah. Have we really surrendered? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us be true Muslimin. Amin. So this dua, verse number 15 of Surah Al-Ahqaf, like I said, it was the dua of Sulaiman alayhi salam. There is a narration which makes mention of Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anhu having made the same dua. 
But the point we learn that is more important how many of us are prepared to call out to Allah using similar words that have been made mention of more than once in the Quran. I repeat verse number 15 of Surah Al-Ahqaf. It's important we go back, we look at the Quran, we read this verse, we memorize it, and we use it to supplicate and to call to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then we have the beautiful deen and religion when people don't listen to what Rasulullah has brought. Allah selects others to listen. If people are going to turn away, it's not like the deen is going to stop. Those who turned away at the time of Muhammad they were at loss. But the deen continued, the religion continued in a way that today it has got to us. MashaAllah, we are seated here. The effort of the companions of Muhammad after that of Rasulullah himself. And this is why we are seated here. And this is the, the gift of Allah upon us. If we don't come to the house of Allah, it's not like the house is going to be empty. It will be filled by other people. If you are not going to obey Allah's instruction, Allah will replace you with someone else. He says it quite clearly in the Quran. So there was a time when Rasulullah had just been returning from Ta'if and the people of Ta'if, as you know, had harmed him. And they decided to throw stones and send their children behind Muhammad And as he returned, he was reading the Quran in a certain place, according to a narration of Ibn Abi Shaybah, reported by Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu. He says, at Batnun Nakhla, it is a specific place by the palm trees, Makkatul Mukarrama. As the Prophet ﷺ is returning, he was reciting the Qur'an, reading the beautiful verses of the Qur'an. And you know what happened? A group of the jinn kind happened to listen to this recitation. And they were so intrigued by it. They were so touched. They were in fact convinced that this is the truth. So much so that they believed in it. And they believed in the prophethood of Muhammad ﷺ. Verse number 29, Surah Al-Ahqaf, Allah makes mention of what? They did when they heard the Quran. وَإِذْ صَرَفْنَا إِلَيْكَ نَفَرًا مِّنَ الْجِنِّ يَسْتَمِعُونَ الْقُرْآنِ Allah says, remember the time when we turned towards you, a group of the jinn who were listening to the recitation of the Quran. فَلَمَّا حَضَرُوهُ قَالُوا أَنصِتُوا When the group of them, some narrations say they were about nine of them. When they heard, when they got there, when they were in attendance, they said to each other, keep quiet and listen very carefully. What do I learn from this? Brothers and sisters, when the Quran is being read, recited, when the Quran is being played, remember, be silent, try and listen carefully, listen to the words. These are the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He has spoken these exact words. So listen to them carefully. It's an act of worship, simply to listen to the Quran. Imagine. Subhanallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the ability to understand the value of his words. So the jinn themselves were saying, listen very attentively. When the Prophet ﷺ had completed the recitation, this group of jinn, they rushed back to their own people, their own kind, warning them. What did they tell their people? قَالُوا يَا قَوْمَنَا إِنَّا سَمِعْنَا كِتَابًا أُنزِلَ مِنْ بَعْدِ مُوسَى They said, O oh, our people, O oh, our nation, O oh, our group, we have heard a book being recited 
that has been revealed after the Prophet Moses, Musa alayhi salatu wasalam, may peace be upon him. And they continued to tell their people and to warn them and to inform them that it, it has in it the truth and so on. The point I learned from it and the point I'm sure we would all learn from it is when we listen to a good message, let us relay the message at least to our family members, to our children, perhaps to our relatives and to as many people as possible. Many of us are guilty of sitting in the masjid. Say for example on a Friday, we've heard a beautiful sermon. We go home and we're only worried about the, the food. It's Friday. Where's the rice? Mashallah. May Allah forgive us. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us ease. How many of us actually go home, sit with our family members and tell them today, I heard a very, very good sermon. And I want to mention one point from that. You know, you don't have to sit and give them a long lecture. Some people, when they go home, they want to give them a bigger lecture than the imam did back in the masjid. So the family gets irritated. They say, oh no, that's dad again. Allahu Akbar. May Allah forgive us. We need to apply tact and wisdom. Give them one message, the core of what came through, or two or three messages, a good point. And remember, don't try and use the deen and the religion to your advantage alone. So you never talk to them. But when it comes to a point that you had an argument regarding, and now you won up because you just heard a point that proves you were right, then you quickly remembered everything, isn't it? And you went back home and told them, you see, I told you. But for the six weeks in advance or before or prior to that, you were being nailed literally with everything left, right and center, being told that you are wrong. And you came back home like the imam didn't say anything. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us. This is the jinn. We are learning a lesson from the jinn. When they heard a good message, they immediately went back to their people and said, you know what? We heard a beautiful, powerful message. How many of us, when we hear a beautiful, powerful message, do we take the time, make an effort to go and relate it to others? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us. Today it's become so easy, you can just burn a CD and distribute it and give it, and that would be your share. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for us all. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informs us about this in the Quran. And as I've said before, these verses are not there for no purpose. They are there with a reason for us inshallah to learn lesson from. We have thereafter Surah Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It is a surah named after Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I want to make mention of just one verse in this beautiful surah which has short verses. And this verse is... According to the narration of Abu Ya'la, Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu states that when Muhammad sallallahu was being driven out of Mecca, he was very sad. He was doing the hijrah, Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anhu with him, and he was approaching the cave. You know which cave? The cave that he had gone to in order to get some refuge as he was leaving Mecca. And so as he got to the cave, he looked back and he saw Mecca. And he said the following, he said, Oh Mecca, you are the most beloved to me. You are the most beloved to me. Had it not been for your people to drive me out, I would have never gone out. Muhammad is now addressing Mecca, saying, Oh Mecca, you are the most beloved land to me. Had it not been for your people to have driven me out, I would have never left this place. Now obviously this was a plan of Allah because you have Medina Munawwara which also earned its virtue thereafter. This was prior to the earning of the virtue of Medina Munawwara. It was upon the Hijrah. But Mecca is also one of the most sacred places on earth. In fact, the most sacred place on earth when it comes to the value of the Masajid 
happens to be Al-Masjid Al-Haram in Makkah Al-Mukarramah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all the ability to go there and to frequent the place. Ameen. With the right intentions that is. Some people go shopping and some people go, mashallah, for Umrah. And some people marry the two. I hope, inshallah, we always have the correct intention. It's not wrong to shop, but it's wrong to make that your primary intention. That's all. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed verses. Giving comfort to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa at that point, telling him, you're going to come back here. Subhanallah. Subhanallah. Amazing. He knew that I'm going to come back to Mecca at some stage. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells him, and this is verse number 13 of Surah Muhammad. Allah says, How many cities or towns have there been that have been more powerful than this one that drove you out and we have destroyed them and nobody has helped them? Which means don't worry, these people cannot be more powerful than the others whom we've already destroyed and made an example of. Subhanallah. Nobody is too powerful for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No matter how mighty a person thinks he or she is, remember, above all might is the almighty. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the ability to understand that so that we humble ourselves for him and for his sake. Amin. So this was a beautiful uh, prophecy. In fact, it was information and it was comforting Muhammad to say, don't worry, today they might have driven you out. There is a purpose why Allah intended for that hijrah to occur. And there is a reason why Muhammad had to go to Medina Munawwara. And there is a reason why he came back to Makkah Al-Mukarramah. And there is a reason why he did not stay in Makkah thereafter, but he returned and he passed away in Medina Munawwara. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us all. Then we have Surah Al-Fatih. Surah Al-Fatih is a beautiful surah and it's all connected to one major incident and that was the Treaty of Hudaybiyah. The Muslimin decided that they wanted to go to fulfill the Umrah, the minor pilgrimage, what we spoke about a few minutes ago. Their intention was solely to please Allah. They wanted to go and it was a time of no good relation between them and the people of Mecca. They wanted to go because that was the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they said, let's go without much weaponry. We don't want to go and fight. We will go to Mecca. We'll talk to the people of Mecca. And we will tell them we just want to do the Umrah and we want to depart. So when they arrived to a place called Hudaybiyah, they stopped this just outside Mecca to Mukarramah. The Muslims, quite a few, perhaps 1400 approximately, according to some of the narrations. And they paused there, they stopped. And they sent Uthman ibn Affan radiallahu anhu to see the chiefs of Quraysh in order to talk to them, to tell them, look, we are 1400 Muslims out here. We've come without weapons. We've come not to fight. We've come just for the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We want to do our Umrah and we want to, you know, fulfill this minor pilgrimage and we will depart going back to Medina Munawwara. So as Uthman ibn Affan radiallahu anhu went in, he did, he did not return quickly. He didn't come back. In fact, it took more time than they had expected. And a rumor spread that he was murdered. They murdered him. It was a rumor. But the rumor was very strong. So Muhammad ﷺ gathered his companions and he told them, We do not have weaponry, but we, if our man is killed in there, we will all fight in order to retaliate or revenge, in order to get back 
for what they have done in terms of atrocity and murder against a man who was just an ambassador. So they were at a tree known as a shajara. It's known as a shajara because it is the tree, a huge tree in Hudaybiyah. And the Prophet ﷺ was under the tree and a caller called out that you need to pledge allegiance to Muhammad ﷺ that you will not run away and that you will fight. And that if this happens to be true, we will fight and we will not run away. We will not turn our backs. So each one of them came. Every single one of them came, one after the other. They pledged allegiance to Muhammad ﷺ and they said under that tree that we will not run away. If this is the case, even though we don't have much weaponry, we will make sure that we obey the instruction that you delivered to us. Tell us what it is you want us to do. Consider it done. Subhanallah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala thereafter revealed verses. And I'm going to just move a little bit forward. Verse number 18 of the surah. لَقَدْ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ إِذْ يُبَايِعُونَكَ تَحْتَ الشَّجَرَةِ فَعَلِمَ مَا فِي قُلُوبِهِمْ فَأَنزَلَ السَّكِينَةَ عَلَيْهِمْ وَأَثَابَهُمْ فَتْحًا قَرِيبًا Allah has become pleased with those who pledged allegiance to you under that tree. Allah has become pleased with them. Those who pledged allegiance to you under the tree. Allah knows what was in their hearts and Allah is giving them good news of a very near victory. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us victory at all times. I mean, so this verse was revealed after the incident of Hudaybiyah when they were leaving, going back to Medina Munawwara without having made the Umrah. So what happened? Later on, Uthman ibn Affan radiallahu anhu appeared and it was clear, manifest that he was not murdered and it was just a rumor. So obviously this pledge of allegiance was just a test from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Secondly, they sat with the kuffar of Quraysh and they struck a deal. They signed a treaty known as the Treaty of Hudaybiyah. What was it? We are not going to fight. We have a truce. We have a ceasefire. And we're going to have peace for 10 years. So when they were writing the clauses from among the Muslimin, the scribes were writing, one of them was Ali ibn Abi Talib and a few other of the scribes. They were writing, when they wrote Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, the kuffar of Quraysh said, take it out. We don't know who is Rahman, we don't know who is Rahim, we don't acknowledge anything. We want you to write Bismik Allahumma. Then they wrote, so the, they looked at the Prophet ﷺ, they were reluctant, but Rasulullah ﷺ told him, no problem, do that. So they deleted and they did it as the kuffar had intended. A little bit later, it was written there. This is a treaty from Muhammad Rasulullah They said, no, take it out. You are not Rasulullah. Astaghfirullah. They said, if we acknowledged you were the messenger, we wouldn't be having this problem at all. You've got to say Muhammad ibn Abdullah. So the mu'mineen were reluctant. So much so that one narration says that Ali ibn Abi Talib and the companions refused. We will not delete it. So Muhammad said, okay, show me where it is written and I will rub it off. Subhanallah. Subhanallah. Because they didn't want to deny or to delete the fact that it says here, Rasulullah. So the mu'mineen were upset because they saw every clause that the Muslims had written and suggested, these people modified to their advantage. Let me give you an example, just by way of example. They said anyone from Medina who comes to Makkah, we're not going to send them back. But anyone from Makkah who comes to Medina, you must send them back. How fair is that? Unfair. But Rasulullah said, no problem. 
write it down. Subhanallah. And at the end, they struck the treaty, they struck the deal, and the mu'mineen were told, you are not going to make Umrah this year. Write it down. They wrote it down. You will come back next year. That means we're in ihram. Imagine, you arrive in Jidda and they send you back home. Astaghfirullah. May Allah not do that to us. How would you feel? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. That would not happen today. But at that time, this is what happened. They arrived right at the outskirts of Mecca and they were sent back. These people were meant to be the custodians at the time. But what happened is, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala intended something huge, something big. The Prophet ﷺ was faced with Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu as they were leaving, returning to Mecca, uh, sorry, to Medina without having made an Umrah, having struck a deal where there was going to be no war, there was going to be peace from now on. And at the same time, all the clauses were in favor of the mushrikeen of Mecca. Umar ibn al-Khattab says, O Messenger ﷺ, and this is a narration, there are several narrations, one of them is actually muttafaqun alayh, narration of Sahl ibn Hanif radiallahu anhu, and the other one is a, a, another narration made mention of in so many books of hadith and tafsir. It's something very common regarding the issue of Hudaybiyah and what happened thereafter. So he says, Sahl ibn Hanif says that Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu said, O Messenger, aren't we on the right path? He said, yes, we are. Isn't it that if we die, we go to paradise? If they die, they don't? He said, yes. So then why do we have to agree with all these clauses that are actually detrimental? The Prophet ﷺ told him, O oh Umar, I am the messenger of Allah and Allah will never let me down. So Umar ibn Khattab anhu heard it and he slowly walked to Abu Bakr al-Siddiq anhu and he told him the same thing. He asked him the same questions. Abu Bakr al-Siddiq anhu uttered the same words. He says, O oh Umar, he is the messenger of Allah and Allah will not let him down. And now they are departing. And Allah reveals the verses, the opening verses of Surah Al-Fatih. Victory. Allah says, Indeed, we have granted you a clear victory. So Umar ibn al-Khattab is shocked. He says, Oh Messenger, you are reciting this verse to us. Is this really victory? The Prophet says, Yes, it is. Subhanallah. So he was quiet and silent. Guess what happened? It resulted in the spread of Islam to the corners of the globe because of the peace that was there. A few years later, the victory of Makkah happened. And amazingly, it was indeed the first step of victory. What a beautiful surah. This entire surah in its entirety was revealed upon the return of Rasulullah from Hudaybiyah as he was coming to Medina Munawwara. It's interesting for us to go and look through the pages of the Quran and see the gift of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the gift that he bestowed upon the believers. But I have a lesson that I have learned and I'd like you to, sh to, to share this or I'd like to share it with you. Sometimes things appear to be so negative in our lives, so negative. But our victory is actually through those very things. Had we not passed through that level, rock bottom, we would never have got to the top. Sometimes you are working somewhere. This is an example that just came to my head now. You are working somewhere and you are fired unceremoniously, unfair. If you take it graciously and you go out, perhaps Allah got you out of that job because he wanted you a year later to get a job that had 10 times the salary. Perhaps he wanted you to work on your own, to open your own business so that you could be bigger than this, the man who you, 
who you worked for and you became his supplier two years down the line. It's possible it has happened. But do not become depressed when something negative seems to have happened. When you are a person who's trying to please Allah and you know that you are trying your best. That is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Believe that he has a better plan for you. Believe that victory is near no matter how long it takes, but it will come by the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A true mu'min is never depressed by negative things that come in their direction. We need to be like kites. The more the wind blows against us, the higher we are able to fly. Remember this. Without that adverse wind, we will actually drop. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us an understanding. This victory of Mecca and these verses of victory informing Muhammad about what is to come at a time when Umar ibn al-Khattab says, I was so sad, I felt rock bottom, that look, I'm a powerful man, I'm standing here, I've pledged, I'm ready to fight. And Muhammad looks at me and says, turn back, we are going. You mean without the Umrah? Without the Umrah, we're going. What? We are powerful people here, man. We want to get in. He says, that's it. I'm the messenger of Allah. Allah will not let me down. He obeyed because it was the messenger. When he went back, he was told, that was your victory. The fact that you signed that treaty, it was the biggest victory that was to come. And Allah speaks about it in this beautiful verse. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us goodness. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us in every single way. The other narration is that of Ibn Abi Hatim, Salamat ibn al-Akwa, also makes mention of how he says we were lying down and a caller came out to call to pledge allegiance. When we pledged allegiance, later on, Allah revealed verses to say, all of you, I am pleased with you. How many were they? Approximately 1400. Allah says, I'm happy with you, I'm pleased with you. Imagine the status of those the status of those who pledged allegiance. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us be people who at least can get up for Salatul Fajr on the day of Eid. MashaAllah. You know what happens in Ramadan? MashaAllah. We are so hyper. We thank Allah. Alhamdulillah. We are up for Fajr. That's because of the suhoor that was just before. That's because we were there for the meal. I hope we've read the Salatul Fajr. Come the day of Eid, a lot of us say, what time is Eid Salah? And when we find out it's late, we say, okay, I'll sleep up to that time. Half an hour before we're rushing. Half of us, some of us, not half, some of us might even be running late for Salatul Eid. Come on, let's make it different this year, inshallah. We'll be there early. We sit in from Salatul Fajr and we don't depart. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us all. May we be from among those whom whatever we've achieved in this beautiful month of Ramadan, we don't go back on that achievement. Let's build on it after Ramadan. In this way, we too will be resurrected by the will of Allah with Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. May Allah bless us all. Wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabina Muhammad. Subhanallah wa bihamdihi, subhanakallahum wa bihamdik. Nashhadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk.